Welcome to the Living to 100 Club podcast and another premium episode. Thanks to all of our dedicated listeners for tuning in. I'm your host, Dr. Joe Casciani, and here's today's episode. Greetings to our listeners. You're listening to one of our premium episodes on the Living to 100 Club, and I'm your host, Joe Casciani. Each week, our conversations educate and inspire, helping you get the best out of all the years we are given, regardless of what obstacles come our way. Premium subscribers have access to all episodes, both the two public and the two premium episodes every month. Thanks for being a subscriber. Your support allows us to continue this mission without sponsors. We hope you're receiving value from every conversation with our experts, presumably much greater value than the price of a subscription. On today's program, our guest is Jeff Seckendorf. At age 70, in about two years, Jeff will attempt to break a U.S. or international cycling hour record. Our guest shares with us his process-oriented training program, incorporating both mental and physical dimensions in a cycling competition. Then we dig deeper to take a close look at finding our sense of purpose, especially after a life change like retirement, separation or divorce, or other major event. We discuss the process of discovering a new purpose, especially through sports and how this process contributes to longevity, health, and happiness. What is the Institute of Purpose that our guest has recently co-founded? And importantly, how do we discover a new sense of purpose in our own lives? First, a little background. Jeff began his career as a photographer and filmmaker, first as a stills photographer for UPI and other national publications, then as a director, cameraman, producing, directing, and photographing TV commercials, music, videos, movies, and documentaries. One recent project documents a team of Parkinson's patients on a trek to Mount Everest Base Camp. Jeff has won numerous awards for cinematography, including Sundance Film Festival and Independent Spirit Awards nominations for Best Cinematography. In 2008, Jeff founded Unified Team Diving, a global scuba training and certification agency. He's authored eight training manuals and dozens of online courses. As a master's athlete, Jeff races a bicycle on track and holds the hour record in his age group at the San Diego Velodrome and is a course record holder at the World Six-Hour Time Trial Championships. Jeff's current project on the bike is to attempt to break the U.S. hour record in the 70 to 74 age group. Quite a ride you've been on, Jeff. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. Welcome to our podcast. Thanks, Joe. Great to be here. Glad to have you. Yeah. I always like to open by asking our guests to tell us Maybe the highlights that brought you to where you are today. I covered a lot of your work history and your professional career, but what are the highlights that brought you to where you are today? You know, it's interesting. Um, 
I think a lot of it has been serendipitous. I really haven't planned a lot of this. It's just, I'm very receptive to projects that come my way. Mm. And so, you know, I had a 30 year career in the film industry and it went really well, but you know, for most people, including me in the film business, uh, you know, your, your full-time job is looking for work and your part-time job is working. Mm. So, you know, that started getting a little bit old and, um, you know, I had one producing partner say to me that, you know, she saw me spending 15 years getting into the film business and 15 years trying to get out. Yeah. So, you know, on the trying to get out thing, I was looking for something interesting, you know, just something that I could do every day. I didn't have to look for work and had an education component to it. And then one of my old scuba instructors had this idea to start this certification and training agency from mm -hmm. scratch. So in 2008, we did this startup. It ran well for a long time. I bought him out in 2019. So I own it solely now. And, uh, and it's been a really, really cool project. It's been a really cool project. Yeah. And then, so along the way with that, through the filmmaking part, I had an opportunity to start working with the Parkinson's community in San Diego. Mm -hmm. Wow. So, uh, my wife is a clinician works almost exclusively with Parkinson's patients. So I've got hundreds of friends with Parkinson's now. And, uh, so I've been, um, working also as the director of operations for the Parkinson's association here in San Diego. And that's been another really, really fun and satisfying project. And, and they go nicely hand in hand, you know, sure. they're, they're so different, but they're both basically tech operations. And I, I love it both. Yeah, you're incorporating your film history and background as well as your interest in being outdoors and sports and athletics. Yeah, that's yeah. that's a great accomplishment. Yeah, how many people are on the trek? Yeah, on the trek, Mount Everest Parkinson's. trek, I think we had ten, uh -huh. three with three with Parkinson's on that. Uh huh. So, um, my wife runs biannual, right? That's every two year treks mm -hmm. to some crazy place in the world oh, wow. to support research or something for Parkinson's. So we've done, uh, she did Kilimanjaro right before I met her, but then Mount Everest Base Camp, Machu Picchu, Camino de Santiago. Mm -hmm. Last year we trekked the Dolomites and next year we're going to um, a, uh, a pilgrimage trek in Japan. Mm. Wow. Cool. Those are really it's great. It's great. Because for yeah. Parkinson's patients, especially, it's like, these are hard hikes. These are hard eight day hikes. And people train for them and you know it's really an opportunity for someone to really push themselves past what they believe their limits are of course yeah push our limits see what else we can accomplish yeah that's important for everyone so you've done a lot of uh, competing over the years and i always like to ask what what have you learned about yourself after these years especially with the cycling competition what have you learned about yourself jeff I think it's more what I'm learning <laughs> than, than what I've learned. What I'm learning is how not to quit. This oh. has been my big thing for this past year. It's like, how do you learn not to quit? Somebody once said to me, said recently, I heard that winners are just losers who didn't quit. Yes. That I've was heard pretty, that. Mm -hmm. pretty interesting. Mm -hmm. So uh, that's what I'm working on, you know, and that's what I bring to everything in life. Right. It's like, there's no point in doing any of these projects, the bike ride, mountain treks, any kind of training or any kind of self-development in one field if you can't apply it to the rest, right? 
Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. you know, I've got this crazy bike thing. I'm training 15 hours a week on the bike. And, you know, I just, just got off, you know, about a half an hour ago from a workout. Um, and, you know, gym and paying attention to nutrition and hydration and the mental aspects and the equipment and blah, 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 all that other stuff. And so if I can't take that and apply it to everything else, then there's no point. So, you know, when I start a project now, like for the Parkinson's Association, I just get on this rampage where I can't quit. Mm-hmm. And I've really learned that from cycling because, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the lessons we learn can be applied in so many different areas, right? Sure. Yeah. 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 I read a really interesting book recently by Annie Duke. Remember Annie Duke, the poker player? Uh, I don't. She was on the world poker tour for a long time, but she's brilliant. And she wrote a book called Quit. And I've just been re- recommending everybody I know read this thing. It's mm. amazing. It was an mm. amazing book, but it really talks a lot about the, the psychology of quitting. Don't quit while you're ahead. Quit when you're winning. Don't quit when you're winning. It was a fascinating read. Yeah. So I, I think uh, anybody who's involved in anything that has the ability to stop it before you're there, it's a great read. Yeah, it's funny. Uh, I'm on the treadmill in the morning, and I try not to look at my the reins that I'm covering. And when I don't look at it to see how far I've gone or how far I've got left to go, I do much better. Uh, but when I look at it, then it's like uh, more of a chore because I'm focused on, on the destination rather than just being away from <laughs> the process, if you know what I mean. So I like that, learning how not to quit. Yeah, I'm kind of the opposite on the bike of you, though. Yeah. I like to know exactly what I'm up to, how long mm-hmm. it's going to be, how much more I have to go, and how hard uh-huh. I have to push through that. Yeah. So I get yeah. to the end well, maxed out. Yeah. Yin and yang, then, right? Yeah, sure. No, for sure. <laughs> okay. So I, when you and I talked, um, uh, especially I watched this great video that you have on the website, um, and so much of it is uh, mindset and complemented by our physical skill and motivation so which is which is more important when it comes to competition what do you think mindset or the the physical side of this you know when we did that little film on on the bike ride my coach who's amazing ben sharp um said and i think we use this in the movie that you know there's a big physical component to this kind of bike ride that i'm looking to do this hour ride but you can't muscle your way to this hour record and you can't think your way to the hour record. There's this balance that you have to have that allows you to let the mind drive the physical. So it's easy to train physical skills, Mm. right? You can go to the gym, you can get on your bike, you can get on your treadmill, you can do programmed structured workouts, or you can make them up yourself. And, you know, if you do them properly, you'll get stronger. It's much harder to train your mind to push Mm. through the hard parts. You know, it's so easy just to say, oh, God, I'm just cooked. I'm going to quit. And so to answer your question, I think it's easier to train a physical skill, Mm -hmm. but it's more important to train a mental, the mental aspects of anything you're doing. And this applies to sports or work or relationships or anything. You know, I think it's all the same. So it's the the physical activity that we may be able to pursue and and stay at, but yet it's the mental side of it that can turn it on or off. I mean, we're capable maybe of doing more physically than we think we are. Is that an extension of that? 
Fair oh, 100%. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah, completely. Because, you know, I just know from, you know, my time on the bike that I can do a ride and finish strong, or I can do a ride and I can finish wasted, <laughs> you know? Mm. Mm. And the only difference is what's in my mind. Was I huh. able to push that last 20 minutes mm. and leave nothing on the table or on the track or on the road? Or was I just, you know, biding my time to get through this thing to get to the end and then go have a coffee. This is what I'm focused on really this year is, is getting to a point where, you know, I can really understand the differences between physical and mental training in sport and how to apply that to rest to the rest of my life. But at the same time, understanding how to train the mental things. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So it's, you're not making it up every day. Right. I mean, in the physical part, in the, the bike, the treadmill, gym, all that, you know, there's structured training. You do this many sets at this weight and you'll get stronger. You run this many intervals at this pace, you'll get faster. It's very easy to look at that structure and say, okay, well, we know how to make you physically stronger. Mm -hmm. It's much harder to train your mind. Mentally right? stronger. Yeah. 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 I mean, there are exercises and things you can do, but it's a tricky business to, yeah. to get yourself to a point where you can push yourself past your limits. How powerful that thinking is. And I talk about the same thing, Jeff, with seniors who, you know, face these physical setbacks or maybe some event in their life and how it's the mental attitude that helps us to get back up, no matter what it is. Maybe we're able to get back to normal or maybe we're kind of creating a new normal. We'll never get back to where we were, but we've got to adjust and adapt to a new normal. So it's it's so much a matter of what we tell ourselves, what that self-talk is all about to continue to push, push us physically, whatever is going on. It's, it's that mindset that trumps everything, I think. Yeah. And I took this on, you know, later in my life. Yeah. Right. So I'm, I'll be 68 in a couple of weeks and I wasn't a elite athlete as a kid or as a middle-aged man, you know, I just really started to push this, you know, in my late fifties. Um, although I've been on a bike forever, I raced cross-country skis and, you know, I did a lot of other stuff when I was younger, but I was never a serious competitor in mm -hmm. any of it until I turned, I don't know, 55 or something like that yeah. and started racing as a master's athlete. So I'm having to learn all this coming later than most people. You know, again, I look at my coach and, you know, the worst thing you can do is compare yourself to something else. You bet. But, you know, he's in his 50s and he's been racing since he was in college and he's got 30 plus years of this competition mindset and been racing as, you know, for 12 years. Mm -hmm. And I had to learn it, you know, as a second career, third career, something like that. So this is where all of this stuff comes from, is that, you know, this is not just innate bread in me. I'm having to actually learn it from the beginning. Sure. Again, we go back at other stuff and look at other projects and other things. And I want to learn how to, you know, use a piece of software. I want to learn how to, you know, fix a car. I want to, whatever it is, right? It's all the same thing. You just use whatever process you know about yourself and apply it to anything. Mm -hmm. You know, the other point is this um, notion of comparing ourselves to uh, somebody else. Like you said, you can't compare yeah. yourself to your coach. And I think the only comparison we can make is to where we were yesterday or where we were a month ago or a year ago. That's the comparison. Are we improving? Are we getting further along on our journey compared to what we used to do or the way we used to act or think or speak to others? It's that 
to compare is to, to despair, right? That's what we say. We don't want to compare ourselves to others because there's always going to be somebody better off and somebody who's going to be worse off or wealthier or not as wealthy. So the comparisons are valid only when we're looking at where we were, where we used to be compared to where I am today. So I think that would apply to your to your cycling uh, workouts too. Are you doing better than what you did a year ago? I'm sure you you are. Yeah, and we track that. And you know, in a bike race, you can't control anybody else. I yeah, can't yeah. control anybody else's outcome. <clears throat> I can only control my own outcome. And if I have trained to a point where I'm faster than everybody else that day, awesome. And if I've trained to a point where somebody else is faster than me, I can't yeah. control that. Yeah. All I can do is is show up with my best physical self and my best mental self and just do the best I can. Yeah, that's a great point. We also spoke about process versus outcome, kind of the the journey versus the destination or the goal, right? And how do you look at that? I know we touched on that a little bit already, but are they equally important, uh, the process of what you're going through or um, completing, making you know, setting a new record, which do you think it is? You know, I've had a little transition in that thinking. You know, when I started this whole thing, I, I've always been very process oriented, right? So if you're going to do something and it's going to take you X amount of time and you don't enjoy that process, there's no point in doing it if you're just trying to get to an outcome. Mm-hmm. There's this line that writers say that the best part of writing is having written. And that just means they hate the process. Right. Mm-hmm. But if it takes you a year to write a book and it takes you three seconds to send it to the publisher and you hated that year, mm-hmm. you just love the three seconds of sending it to the publisher. What was the point of, in, you know, of doing the year? It doesn't make any sense. So process oriented training, I think, is really something that's critical in that you have to be able to enjoy the process, even if it hurts, even if it's suffering, even if it's hard, even if it's troubling. Because, you know, if you do the process, then your outcome becomes some version of inevitable, Mm -hmm. right? If I apply that to this hour record, you know, I train every day. I do structured training. That's my process. It's hard, but I enjoy it. It applies to the rest of my life, being stronger and all of that. When I get on the track and it's time to, you know, pull the trigger on riding my bike as far as I can go for an hour, the outcome is going to be inevitable which is I'm going to do my best. That best may or may not be better than the other guy. Mm-hmm. I just don't know. Sure. Right. And we're not going to know till, you know, we get there. The last time I did this, it was, and that's really good. The next time I do it, it may not be, and that's okay. But again, process oriented training means you live the process and embrace it to a point where you're doing the best job you can possibly do every single day. And then I look at outcome and say, if I do that, the outcome is inevitable. Mm. Now, I used to look at this and say, process is everything and the outcome doesn't matter, right? I'm just going to do the best I can. If I show up and I get third in a race, well, Mm. that's okay. I did my process. Who cares about the outcome? And Mm. then I realized that was a complete, total, utter cop-out, right? That just meant that if I got third in a race, I didn't have to do anything other than say, well, I did my process. Who cares about the outcome? But third is miserable. Second is more miserable. Mm-hmm. What I found is the more now, this is the recent change with me, just past few months, I've really yeah. turned around about this. If I focus on the outcome without disrupting the process, 
the whole thing is more fun. It's interesting, right? If I just focus on the outcome and really work hard in training to get to an outcome, first of all, I train harder. Mm -hmm. I make better mistakes. You know, I did a race a few, I don't know, two months ago, three months ago. We did a time trial here in San Diego and Mm -hmm. um, I got beat. It was a 20K time trial, about 30 minutes. I got beat by a friend of mine Uh who's 32 years younger than me and he beat me by 20 seconds. Mm Mm-hmm. And I was incensed. Yeah. Where did I lose that 20 seconds to get second to somebody 30 years old who I like and respect and is really strong on a bike, Mm. but I freaking got second Mm. by 20 seconds. And this haunted me for, you know, it's like, where did I leave it on the table? Now I couldn't do anything about his performance. He did a great ride. I did a great ride. He did a ride that was 20 seconds greater than me, deserved to win. Is that 20 seconds considered a small win or a big win? On 30 minutes, tiny. Yeah. Tiny. Okay. 30 minutes, yeah, it's tiny. Yeah, okay. Um, so so it could have been one mistake in yeah. a turn, yeah. you know, 20 seconds to go away. So. Hi, everyone. If you've been injured in an accident that was not your fault, listen up. We have legal professionals standing by to answer your questions for free. Call now and find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Call 800-494-8310. I'm here with spokesman John Wolfe. So, John, tell everyone listening who should call right now. Well, Maria, first off, thank you for having me here. It's always nice to answer the listeners' questions. Now, as far as who should call in... Anyone who's been injured in an accident and think you deserve compensation, give us a call right now. 800-494-8310. You'll find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Thanks, John. You heard it, folks. Take advantage of this opportunity and call now. 800-494-8310. Advertisement sponsored by Legal Help Center may not be available in all states. Yeah. So, you know, I look at second place and I said, Oh God, a loser. What is it? A win? Didn't I say this earlier? Winners are losers. They don't quit. So yeah, yeah. somehow someplace in that race, I quit for 20 seconds. <laughs> but you, you, so you've shifted, you kind of transitioned to this point now where the outcome, the final pro- content is more important than as important as important. I don't want to say it's more important. It's but as you, important because it has a balance. Worried. Yeah, yeah, you're also aware of the process. You've been close to the process for a long time now, so you've almost um, kind of incorporated that already into your ride, right? You, the, the whole process, the awareness. Yeah, completely. So, so what, what's happened to me is that I've started to realize that if I focus a little bit more on the outcome than nothing, which is what I was doing, mm-hmm. it drives me to train harder and it makes the process more satisfying because I'm sitting there suffering on the bike knowing that, okay, this hurts like hell, but it's really helping me get to this goal. You know, I think goals are important. I like the idea of working on goals and, Mm -hmm. you know, be it in sport or life or anything else. And and I think that, you know, goal is outcome. So we need something to drive us. Mm -hmm. Otherwise, you know, you're going around in circles and you say, well, it kind of doesn't matter. Yeah. Yeah. Very important. I agree. So let's shift into this uh, notion of purpose and our sense of purpose in sports. How do you how do you find that? Well, what is that meaning in 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 cycling or scuba diving? What how do you find that sense of purpose in what you're doing? 
Well, I think it's very much what we've been talking about, which is doing something that you can apply to the rest of your life, doing something that will allow you to help other people, doing something that will help society in some way or another. So I think for me, purpose is really just being in a position where I can help people. When I started out doing this hour record, it was like the mountain climbing thing, right? Why climb a mountain? Well, you climb it because it's there. Yeah, but you know, that's another cop out, mm-hmm. you know, because you climb it because you want to accomplish something for yourself. And if, if it's really a self-centric ad- adventure, it doesn't help anybody else. You know, you're just putting everybody at risk in case something goes wrong. But if you can figure out a way to twist a mountain climb or a bike ride or a hike or writing a book or whatever it happens to be, you know, starting a company that helps people, any of those things. You know, to me, purpose, it, it provides a sense of purpose to me and it gives me a way to help other people. I had to do a big thinking shift about this bike ride because it mm-hmm. was very much like climbing a mountain for me mm-hmm. when I started this thing. I'm just going to do it. It's for me. I don't care about anybody else. I just want to go faster. I want to get this record. I want to stand on the podium, get my 20 seconds of fame on Facebook, and then it'll be over. What I realized is if I change my thinking about this, And what the purpose of this ride is, I can actually use this ride to influence others to maybe do something that they didn't think they could do Mm -hmm. or to push themselves a little harder Mm -hmm. or to take something that seemed uncomfortable and apply it to another part of their life where it is comfortable. You know, we talk a lot about being comfortable, being uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. And so my sense of purpose is what can I do in my life that will help other people? really simple and still have fun and still make some money and, you know, mm-hmm. stay healthy sure. and fit. And, and I, I think it really comes down to that, you know? So I'm, I've mm-hmm. just turned this bike ride into a thing, right? Mm-hmm. I, I, I talk on podcasts. I talk to, to all sorts of groups about purpose and I use the bike ride as a kickoff point. It's like, you know, do I need to do this? No. Does it help me in all aspects of my life? Absolutely. Can mm-hmm. I apply what I'm learning in the bike ride to my other part of life? Absolutely. Can you do this? Absolutely. Do you have to do it on a bike? No. Mm-hmm. Sure. Anyway. <laughs> do it on anything. Mm-hmm. Do anything you want. Yeah. You know, find a way. Just you know, do a fundraising hike or do something. So it's a it's this combination of uh, having a goal, striving for some goal at the same time, really looking to see how it can spread or how it can um, overflow to others, and doing things that we're accomplishing and we get a sense of success and satisfaction but it also uh, maybe helps others derive some some meaning too out of that same activity that's yeah and i I think that's when we look around at purpose and we we look at people who are in a position where their life has changed for one reason or another Mm -hmm. and they wake up and they say i don't know what i'm going to do today or why Mm -hmm. you know i mean if those of us who have found some purpose can, you know, create some motivation to say, well, look, you know, you don't have to light the world on fire. You just have to do something that helps three people. Yeah. You know, it doesn't have to be, you know, you don't have to launch a rocket or go to Mars or cure cancer or just go to a soup kitchen and feed three Mm -hmm. people. I mean, it's really just more about you can do anything. You can take any project and turn it into something bigger socially better, you know, 
that helps people if you just look around and decide to do it. Mm-hmm. We see this in retirement, right? People go out and say, well, I'm going to garden and play golf. And that lasts, what, three, four months? Yeah. And then you're like cooked. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's right. That's right. And uh, sometimes it's opening those doors, knocking on those doors, and we don't know what's on the other side, but it's maybe 180 degrees from where we thought we were going. Yeah. Right? Yeah. It's, it's I mean, my dad different. retired and had nothing to do. Yeah. And, you know, we, we joke about him that he was became a professional golfer. Uh-huh. He was a shitty golfer. Yeah. You know, he was he was he was a bad golfer, but he loved it more than everything. Mm-hmm. And so and he did it with abandon and he played mm-hmm. three or four times a week and he, yeah. you know, played shitty golf, but he loved every minute of it. And it gave him so much purpose and the clubs and the thing and the shoes and the cart and the friends and the whole thing. It was mm-hmm. a big piece. And, you know, he at close to 80 got involved in learning how to really work his Mac computers. Uh-huh. And I think he took a lot of what he did in golf, which is the staying power that, mm-hmm. you know, I'm doing this every day. I'm doing this every day. I'm doing this every day. And he applied it to learning how to run an operating system and learning how to run software. And, mm-hmm. you know, he actually became, you know, pretty good at it. Yeah. And I think a lot of it came from the fact that he, he was, he was good at golf in his mind and in his process and not in his outcomes, but it doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. Right. Cause he didn't care and I don't mm-hmm. care. Nobody cared, but you know, he loved it mm-hmm. and he applied that to something else and he got really good at something else. And, you know, he ran out his whole life, you yeah. know, being good at golf for him and good at computers for him. And, you know, it allowed him to do other stuff well. I think it was a great thing, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it is. It's a matter of sometimes um, we don't know what it's going to be. We don't know what what's, like I said, what's on the other side of that door. And yeah. we, we good, you know, we feel that sense of success and accomplishment and achievement. And say, well, maybe there's there's something else. Maybe there's something that touches on what I've been doing. And maybe I can learn a new language or, you know, learn an instrument or learning something else. And, maybe volunteer at some some kind of community organization. So whatever it is, it puts a smile on our face in the morning, right? When we, we wake up and say, oh, I'm looking forward to doing this this week or today. Yeah. that it, it gives us that meaning and purpose, but there's also a little bit, sometimes there's some altruistic side to it, but not necessarily, right? I mean, sometimes it's just because we want to have that sense of accomplishment. I remember- I you also have to know when to say when, right? So- yeah. You, you know, my brother is a brilliant harmonica player. Yeah. Like really, really talented. Mm. And I thought, what well, you know, I travel all the time. What a great instrument. And and he got the music gene and I didn't. Yeah. And I thought, well, I'm going to learn to play the harmonica so I can take this thing on trips and I can entertain the masses and I can have fun and blah, blah, blah. And, you know, I beat that poor harmonica to death for like yeah. eight months until I finally realized that, you know, there's no outcome here. <laughs> you know, I hate the process and there's no outcome. Let's let's go a different direction. So you also have to know when to say when. <laughs> sure. Yeah, yeah, I get that. I, I think that's right. And just the same, there's some value in those eight months, right? I mean, would well, you? Well, I learned, I learned, yeah, that you don't have to finish something, you start. Yeah, exactly. Sure. And other things. So tell us about the Institute of Purpose. This is something that you and your colleague have founded the Institute of Purpose. What's this all about? Yeah, this is a really interesting thing. So the Institute of Purpose came up. Uh, I was working with a, a friend of mine who is a ger- gerontologist mm-hmm. who works with aging populations. Mm-hmm. 
and uh, he has a company here in San Diego called Partner in Aging. And we got talking about some of the things he did, he does with his clientele and some of the things I was doing with the Parkinson's Association. And we got talking about purpose and this crazy bike ride. And he had this name that he's been trying to do something with for a long time called the Institute of Purpose. And I mm-hmm. heard it. And it was like, oh, my God, I want to do something with that because it's mm-hmm. such a cool name. So we basically formed a little company and opened up a website mm-hmm. and it's very new. I mean, it's months old and got a podcast account and, you know, I mean, have all these film and video skills. So we're doing that. Mm-hmm. And basically we're creating content about purpose. What is purpose? How do you successfully change purpose? What happens when you wake up in the morning and you say, crap, I have no purpose. And now that you've recognized it, here are some guidances and some things. And here are like a ton of little short 30 second videos from people who've talking about what their purpose is Mm -hmm. and some longer videos about people who have discovered purpose and explored it a little more deeply. Mm -hmm. And, um, and there's a speakers bureau attached to it Mm -hmm. and it's got a couple of little sponsors and, I mean, you've seen the website. I know, did. I did. And I saw it. Instituteofpurpose.org, right? Dot org, yeah. Yeah, that's the URL. Uh-huh. Yeah. So we're developing it out, and I think it's it's interesting. And we're looking for people with purpose to participate on mm-hmm. the website. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. we'll call out to your listeners. If anybody's interested in doing a sure. short podcast about particularly what happened when they switched yeah. from, oh, my God, I have no purpose, to now I'm doing this. Yeah. Yeah. Those are the stories we're trying mm-hmm. to collect up and, mm-hmm. and curate. Can you recommend any steps or what are the what's your thinking on how do I find this sense of purpose? I'm retired. I don't know where I should go, what I should head for. What are some steps that we take? Well, I think you can take a page from my harmonica debacle. Okay. Right. All Which right. is and eight months. Is well that, but you know, try to do things that you have a modicum of ability to be successful at Mm. you know it's a pretty good bet that i was going to be unsuccessful at the harmonica (laughs) i didn't have any really designs on that problem Mm -hmm. we do a thing called your path to mastery workshop where basically Mm -hmm. you figure out how you got good at something right so we go through the process of how you got good at anything so if you are a pilot for example Mm -hmm. discovery training practice teaching i think mastery ends with teaching So you find out about flying, you get a license, you go practice and fly for years, you become an instructor, and now you've kind of mastered that. So everybody has something in their life that they're good at. If you want to change purpose, one of the things you can do is find something that interests you and then apply those steps that you used to get to where you were good at something else to the new thing. Mm -hmm. Okay. Okay. So... You're a successful pilot, flight instructor. Now you want to be, you know, gardening really turns you on, right? So discovery, figure mm-hmm. it out. You know, what do you like about this? Training, take a course, take workshops, go online, whatever you have to do. Practice, do a couple of years of cool gardening and then go back and teach it. But you can take whatever you knew how to do well and, and not so much use what that thing is, but use the steps you use to get there mm-hmm. and right. apply them to something else. Yeah. Use the process, not the It's a process. Just figure out your process on purpose yeah. to approach mastery mm-hmm. 
you know, and maybe, it, I don't know, you want to write a book, mm-hmm. right? So you decide there's your discovery. Yeah. You maybe do some quick education on formatting and publishers and this and that and structure and, you know, three act structure, whatever it happens to be. And then you practice, which is write the book for however long it takes mm-hmm. and then get it published and hopefully help others do the same thing. Mm-hmm. This is what we're really working on the Institute of Purpose is giving people insight into what they could do, but also the idea of you can do it by just applying the skills you've learned in other aspects of your life. Mm-hmm. You don't have to just go blindly forward mm-hmm. and say, I'm sure. going to plant a garden. Sure. I have no idea what to do. Yeah. 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 And it's probably more effective when it is tied to past skills or past achievements, right? So there are some you know, some degree of successes and skills, really, but it's you're learning to apply those skills in a in a very different area. I think it's important that you know you you were successful in in this and can be successful in this because you already did it. Right. You're not just fishing for success. You've actually Mm -hmm. experienced success Mm -hmm. and you're just applying those same steps to something else. So it's not this yeah. endless run of, I don't know if this is ever going to work. It's yeah. not going to work. It's like a, be like doing a Rubik's cube for the rest of your life. Uh-huh. Sure. Sure. Yeah. It sounds like a lot of valuable information, good resources there. Institute of purpose.org. Yeah. So any of our listeners have some interest, you can visit the website and send in your, um, your, your comments and ask Jeff and Jonathan, who I know, which Jonathan Schwartz is your partner. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And if you have a story you'd like us to mm-hmm. be, you'd like to be a part of the website and, mm-hmm. and the content, just let us know. And we can either, you know, do it as a video or do it as a podcast. And, and you can share your, your own vision of your own purpose and what mm-hmm. happened in that, any shift mm-hmm. that happened and, you mm-hmm. know, influence others. Yeah, that's good to share our own journey. Yeah, I like that. Well, a great conversation about process, Jeff, and outcome. I mean, this is important, good stuff. It's nice to drill down a little bit and look, take a closer look at how we can move forward and how we can change behavior and feel that sense of accomplishment and, you know, satisfaction. I like that. Yeah. And it's fun. Yeah. That's important. It needs to be fun. Yeah. 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 We've always said if it's not fun, we don't want to play. Yeah. 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 So we're just about out of time. Let me ask you, what's the takeaway for the audience? What would you like the listeners to remember from this conversation? Oh, I think if you want to do something, just say yes. Just say yes. You know, the universe drops something in your lap. Just Mm. say yes. Unless you want to learn the harmonica, maybe uh, not so much, (laughs) but yeah, no, just be receptive to all the cool stuff that falls in front of you. Yeah you know, that you either expect or don't expect. And Mm -hmm. those are the cool projects. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. To be open to those learning opportunities. Sure. I like that. Okay, Jeff, looks like we're out of time. But before we wrap up, I just want to remind my listeners to visit my website, livingto100.club, sign up for our email list and download a free copy of my nine tips to make living longer enjoyable. You'll also see an option to contact me with your questions and comments. I welcome your feedback. And finally, thanks again for being a premium club member. Your support helps us keep the program going. I believe that the messages we share each week can lift our spirits, help us to stay engaged, and look forward to getting older, no matter what gets in the way. Jeff, thanks so much for being a guest on our show. For those who might want to contact you, how can they do that? Yeah, instituteofpurpose.org. There's a contact form. Just hit that. Great. Okay. 
Well, thanks so much. And thanks to everyone for tuning in. Hope to see you next time. Hi, this is Suzanne Newman, host of the Answers for Elders podcast and radio show. We are the North Star that guides you through the complicated journey of senior care with trusted experts in money, law, living solutions, and more. So join us on this station, your favorite podcast channel, or just go to AnswersForElders.com. Meet the Wayshowers who will help your journey a lot easier.